say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and here it is. It is the end of the year show. That's what it is. Yes, and by the way, that's the only singing you'll ever get from me. But I think I was pretty good and I was on key, whatever I was singing. But yeah, this is the end of the year show and oh, hello. Do you think I'm going to finish the end of the year on a downer? Oh no, we're finishing it on an upper. And I'm telling you, guess what? Today, we brought him back. We brought back the man, the myth, the legend, the author, the expert, the guy who wrote Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done, and he is going to be talking about you and your goals, and he's going to help you with your goals. I'm telling you, people, wow, wow, wow. Charlie Gilkey is in the house, and he is going to blow your mind is what he's going to do and he is absolutely fantastic i love him he's no longer a guest he is a friend of the show he him and i talked after the last time he was on back in november and and uh, about a month and a half ago and we talked and we said man i'd love to have because we just this book is so packed and he said i'll come back and i went no and he said, yeah. I said, can we talk about goals? He said, absolutely. I'm like, oh my God, how can I do that? Because he is, because that's who Charlie is. He's awesome. You know what? So we're going to have a really, really great show. He's a lot of fun. He's a great guy. He is so stinking smart. Uh, it's just, it it makes me feel a little intimidated, quite frankly. That's how smart he is. That's He's that smart. And uh, But he's a lot of fun and he's a great guy. And I really, really enjoy him and I'm glad he's with us. But let's do what we do every week, right? It's the end of the year. It's your last time you get to evaluate yourself in the four areas of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? You know, I believe that we're four-part people. I believe that uh, if all four parts are not working together, you are not going to be nearly as effective as a person, right? You, you got to have the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. So let's check in. The last time this year, right? On a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how are you doing physically, right? How are you feeling? If five is average, how are you feeling right now, right? And and, you know, I ask you the same question, you know, why are you feeling that way, right? And you ask yourself that. Why do you feel that way? And then the second question is, what are you going to do to change it, right? And, you know, we're coming to, we're here towards the end of the year and, and uh, we're getting ready to start a new year and so many of us are going to be back in the gym at least for a period of time. And you know what the hard part is, and Charlie's going to probably touch on this too, I know he's going to touch on this too, is that, you know, we get started with something sometimes and we can't finish it, which is why he wrote the book, Start Finishing, uh, because we get started on so many projects and then we never finish. And Jim is one of those things. So we're going to have to change that, right? That's one of the things that we're going to have to change. And Charlie's going to help us with that today. So what do you got? How are you doing? And then what are you going to do to change it, right? What's going to be the next number? If you're a three, I'm not expecting to get to 10, just get to a four. Right, because once you take a baby step in the right direction, it seems that it happens really, really quickly. So there's your first number, the physical number, the second number, the mental number. You know, and I, I ask you, I've asked you all year, and I ask you every year that we've been doing the show. You know, what what are you doing to really grow your mind? Right? What are you learning? What are you doing to expand your knowledge? How are you growing in your wisdom and your knowledge and understanding of the world and people and things, right? Because we need to be constantly learning. We need to be in a state of learning. We we can't, no matter how old you are or how young you are, we always need to be learning. So if we were to, if I were to ask you, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how are you learning? How's your learning going? How are you growing and learning? What would that number be for you if one was miserable and 10 was outstanding and five was in the middle? And then I'm going to ask you here if, 
what are you going to do to change that, right? Uh, you know, I, I read a book a week. I'm not bragging. It's just something I do. I love reading books. And I can tell you that in the year and a half that I've been reading a book a week, a little over a year and a half now, that I've been reading a book a week, I can tell you it's changed me. It really has changed me. And I really am a proponent of encouraging people just try. Listen, if you can't read a book a week, fine. I, I can. I'm a quick reader, uh, and I take notes on these books, and I, I love them. But if you read a book every two weeks, or if you even read a book a month, you're going to be so far ahead of everyone else in terms of growing yourself mentally. So I really want to encourage you to to grow in your knowledge and and do that, and make that maybe part of your goal setting for the next year as well. So you have a number. So you've a physical number, mental number. So let's move on to emotional number, right? And you know, here we are towards the end of the year, and a lot of things have been happening at the end of the year. You know, it's happy, it's sad when some of us are in all over sort of emotional states. And you know, really the key here about you know that emotional number a scale of one to ten is really about you know how well are you able to control your emotions. That's the first part of it. And then the second part is how well are you able to really understand the emotions of other people and not sympathize, empathize with them, uh, where you could walk in their shoes emotionally, because it is really critical that you be able to do that. That's part of our emotional excellence, if you will. It's a part of our emotional quotient, our emotional intelligence. So if you were to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how would you, how would you say you're doing in the area of your emotions? Right? Both those two areas. And again, you know, ask yourself the same two questions. Why are you that way? And then what can you do to change it? Right? I have a friend uh, and uh, we've been we've been talking I, I, and, and one of the things I said to him, it was, you know what? You don't have to feel all the time. And that can be the best emotional thing that you could do for yourself is that you could just take a break from your emotions. And he said to me, I never thought about it. <laughs> and he just wrote me t- today and he said, you know what? It's the greatest gift ever. He said, I told myself, you know what? I don't have to feel this. And he said, it's unbelievable. Sometimes just taking control of your emotions can give you such a break emotionally that it can be an awesome thing. So I'm giving you permission. You don't have to feel today. You know, if it's overwhelming, you just don't have to feel it. And it's all right. And then, so you got three numbers, a physical number, mental number, emotional number, and then finally the spiritual number. And a lot of people get confused by this number, you know, I, and I, I don't mean it to be confusing. I just know that there's another part of us that we can't explain that we don't understand. I know that there are times when we can listen to music and it touches a part of us that we just never even realized that we know it's there. I don't see it. I can't feel it. I don't know, but I just know that I know that something was said, something I heard has touched a part of me that has affected me, not just emotionally, not mentally, but something deeper than that. And I also know that at times we can experience those things when we're, you know, meditating or maybe we're, maybe, maybe you pray or, you know, maybe you go do nature or whatever it may be, right? Maybe it's, maybe, you, you know, you, maybe it's just whatever, maybe it's karma, you know, whatever it is for you. But, you know, it's that thing that we can't really explain, that science can't explain, that what it does is it, it just brings us back to center. It gives us a little piece of joy in spite of circumstances. And it just makes us feel whole uh, on the inside. And I want to ask you, whatever that is, and if it's God, good for you. How's that relationship working? If it's nature, great. How's that working for you? The question being, you know, how is it working? And and then why are you feeling the way you are spiritually? And then what do you need to change it? It's the same question. So you have four numbers, right? You have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual number. And the question is, what the, those numbers are individual. They're, you don't average them. They're individual because they're four legs of a chair. And so you have to think of each area as four legs of a chair. And if the chair is uneven, it's very hard on your posture, and it's not a good and healthy thing for you. 
And at the same time, you want the chair you want the chair to be at the right height, because if it's at the right height, then what happens? That's also healthy, and that helps you and your posture. And you know what? Let me tell you about the next guest. My next guest, I, I love him, by the way. I, I he is he's he's this cool. I don't I don't know if it's I, I hate using this word because people take this word the wrong way. But he's kind of this cool, quirky guy that is really brilliant and. And here's the thing he says about himself, and I, and I love reading this because it's my favorite quote by himself. He said, if a mad scientist were to do a Freaky Friday experiment and cross an entrepreneur, army officer, and philosopher, I'd be what popped out of the tube. <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty good explanation of who he is. You know what he does? He really helps people try to thrive by using their creativity and energy in ways that help themselves and those around them and the world at large. You know, he is he is a guy who is into writing, thinking, coaching, teaching. Uh, he he taught philosophy at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, my home state, while he was completing his doctorate in philosophy. Uh, he uh, was a logistics officer in the Army National Guard. He has this beautiful wife and brilliant woman, Angela, um, that uh, he's married to, just a super gal. And you know what? He's uh, He's kind of a tinkerer also as well and he's always learning new things and he's always on the uh, and he's researching and experimenting and he's writing and he's teaching and he's sharing and you know what he is uh he's always at work trying to help people out and you know he loves philosophy uh he he loves what he does he was deployed in operation iraqi freedom in 04 and 05 um he reads five to 15 books a month. You think I read a lot of books. He reads a lot more than I do. Uh, I've seen his bookshelf, by the way, in his background. Oh my gosh, it makes my bookshelves look awful. Because uh, his looks so good. Uh, he loves all sorts of uh, analytics, flow charts, diagrams, tabletop role-playing games. He's got a little bit of a nerd in him. Uh, he's a self-taught singer-songwriter who plays acoustic guitar. We should play together sometime. Uh, he attended the unit, he attended uh, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, but didn't like it like at the time. He's just it, just a range of different things. He lives in Portland, Oregon, where my son lives, and that's pretty awesome. Him and Seth Godden have become like this, close friends. So he's really cool, and he is just one of the best guys in the world, and he's going to help you so much with your goals. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the, back to the show, and welcome back to A New Direction, Charlie Gilkey. Welcome. Jay, thanks so much for having me again. And, you know, we talked about this in the green room. You were supposed to keep the bar low, buddy. Come on now. <laughs> you know what, though? I got to tell you something. I, I love I love, I love your stuff because, you know what, you're real. And, and you know, we talk about people being authentic. And the fact of the matter is you make no bones about the fact that you you are who you are. And, and it comes with all this stuff, I mean, that you have done. And not only what you have done – but what you like, what you dislike, and it's just you. And I think that's what makes this book, Start Finishing, by the way, is the name of the book, uh, How to Go From Idea to Done. I think that's what makes this book so, so successful because everything that you read in this book is you and you're, you're authentically who you are. And I, that's, to me, that's the part that comes across in this book more than anything else is that you are, um, you're just being real and authentic. And I love that about you. So... You know, we're at the end of the year here, Charlie, and uh, we've got people are starting to think about their goals and the goal setting. And so when we we decided to bring you back on the show, we said, you know what, why don't we why don't we focus a little bit more on the goals in section two, because you talk a lot about that. And then let's do this. Let's not only focus on section two, 
But let's you know dig in a little bit into your SMART goal framework because uh, you have rewritten SMART goals, which you know SMART has meant one thing, but you've rewritten those. So let's first of all talk about what you think about when it comes for people that people should think about when it comes to goal setting, and then how the how SMART goal framework fits into how you should be thinking about your goals. That's great. And for a reorientation, and this is going to come up throughout the call, so I just kind of want to reorient us to the last conversation. Two things. Remember that wherever you're trying to go in your life, that sort of best life that you know you want to live, the better work you want to do, you get there through finished projects. So finished projects are the bridge in that gap between where you currently are and where you want to be. And that's why we end up talking so much about projects. The second thing is remember – Anything that takes time, energy, and attention is a project. So we're going to put the work of our lives on the table just as much as our economic or our career work, which is unfortunately what we often don't do. So throughout this, we're going to be talking about goal setting and getting it done in the context of not just work projects, but life projects too. Okay, so SMART goals. Um, you know, SMART goals have been around since um, at least 1981. Um, is when we first sort of know that it came up with that. The reason I wanted to change a little bit is generally specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time time tested or you know, um, time tracked. I changed it up a little bit, to, as Jay mentioned, because what I found is that people were making a lot of smart goals that actually weren't meaningful for them. And if we were going through this sort of individual or social Sudoku experiment where it's like it felt fun to sort of hone and get smart about our goals – but at the end of the day, it fundamentally did not matter to us. And so when I was really thinking about this and teaching this to people, I just noticed that problem over and over again. So I made some substitutions. So my version of it is simple, meaningful, actionable, realistic, and trackable. And you can see in that M that I put in that meaning because what I found is if you don't have the meaning – if you don't have that initial spark of a meaning and, and coherence in the story-making fabric of your life – you're not going to build a fire around that project. You're not going to get anywhere with it. So um, I made that substitution. And also I wanted us to start thinking in terms of much simpler goals because, again, it's easy to set ourselves up out of the gate so that we actually don't understand what we're doing. So the basic idea is you um, take this fuzzy goal that we talked about in part one of the book and say you want to lose weight um, since you you know you did that in your wonderful setup. Lose weight is not a smart goal. Um, it's pretty. No, like, it's whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? It's no, not, no. It's okay, okay. Help, help. So here's what we're gonna do. Okay. There's a we're there's a step that we can go through there, and I find the easiest way to actually work through this is to go through this sort of four step process. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna verb it. So lose weight already has that for it. So you're gonna lose right. Um, that can you know that can help out. So we're we're already starting out okay, but uh, what we do a lot of times, Jake, or excuse me, Jay, is that um, we have general goals like move, or get a, or you know, house or book or taxes or right. whatever it is, and it's just that noun, and that doesn't get us off from a good start. We want to think, what do we want to do with that noun? This may come up later in our conversation okay. because there's a super easy trick or simple trick of changing sort of verbs and nouns that can make it a lot easier to figure out what you want to do. So if you're ever looking at something, you're writing on a to-do list or you're writing on your go board, you're like, California, 
what does that mean? Does it mean you want to move to California? Does it mean you want to like, you know, invest in California? So always when you have that lone noun sitting somewhere in your goal setting um, deck, whether that's a piece of paper or your brain, always, always, always start it by putting a verb on that noun. And if you do nothing else, you're way better off than like 60% of the people that just leave it as a noun. Was I clear about that, Jay? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, no, I get it. I think, I think for me though, you know, the verb piece, you know, a verb really verbalizing that, I mean, I guess it's because it, it has to be clearer, right? I mean, you're just mm-hmm. trying to, you're just trying to clear it in your head because it's an action verb and I guess it puts a, verbs or action. And so therefore it puts action to the, is that what happens to us mentally? That's actually what it do. You never end up with that thing where you don't know what to do next. Got it. And you may have that verb that you can't do, which is a signal that you haven't actually made it simple enough or that you need to chunk it down again, which is what we're going to talk about. Right. So, so go ahead. Yeah. No. So let, let me, let's, let's put it in a real life scenario here. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of salespeople who listen mm-hmm. listen to the show, and uh, by the way, all over the world. So everybody all over the world, uh, you know, 38 countries all over the world listen to the show. So I and a lot of them are in sales, and so they they're all going to want to go. Well, I want to increase my sales, but that's not what is that not the correct verbiage that you want to use then? So increase my sales, I'll let it go, right? So we'll start with increase my sales, okay? Right? Is at least shows. Um, what many people will do, and I know, is once you sort of make this internalization that there's always a verb to your action items, okay. um, you can't see it when, when people don't do it, right? Got but it. there are plenty of people who will end up getting stuck because they don't verb their action items. Is it better, um, is it better to be more specific? So should I say something like, would it be better for me to say, I want to increase my sales you know, 20% over last year? Is that's where – yes, that's where we're going with this. Okay, all right. So you start right, so with the verb. I'm going to shut up and I'll let you go. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so the second thing you're going to say is um, time it. Right? The second step we're going to do is time it, meaning what time frame are we talking about? And this is why lose weight wasn't a smart goal because lose weight in what time frame? How much weight? When? So on top of you can't really do any. So it's sort of this general um, aspiration that is not quite a smart goal. So what we want to do is first thinking about the time. So if we're thinking about our this year's goals, I know it's new year, new you, all that sort of jazz. So what we really mean is lose weight by the end of the year, or what most people mean, right? right. Um, but sometimes it's not clear. It's like maybe I want to lose weight before the you know beach um, before beach season, or maybe I want to lose weight before I go on the sales tour, or may, lose weight before something. So we always want to put that time to it because if we don't put the time to it, it makes it difficult for us to start to see like whether it's realistic and it makes it difficult for us to see when we need to start that project. And this is something we'll get on. Like a lot of times we don't think about the difference between due dates and start dates, but start dates are super powerful. And if you know, okay, one of my goals this year is to lose weight, but I want to lose weight by the end of the year. Okay. So that that gets us closer to where we're trying to go. You may decide, you're like, you know what? I'm actually moving from Florida to New York in the first quarter of the year. That's actually a really terrible time for me to plan on losing weight, just with everything going on. I'm going to set myself up for failure if I do that. So what I really want to be thinking about is, again, lose weight by the end of the year. And again, thinking in terms of start dates, you might want to be starting quarter two of 2020. Um, And that lets, you know, because what we're trying to do here is – write our action items, write our goals so that some future, some future version of ourselves 
that doesn't have all the context and information and thoughts that we have right now could look at that goal and say, oh, okay, I know what I need to do and not have to recreate that goal because you look at some random goal that you wrote somewhere and you're like, oh, when did I write that and what does that have to do with? Oh, oh, I remember now. We're trying to avoid that and just write it so that a future version of ourself will find it really easy to pick it up and move with it. Got it. Okay. Um, So I've already sort of going into check it against reality. Um, If you know that you're trying to lose weight. Now, what I would say on this one is this is where I would get more specific. I would say, you know, lose 20 pounds would be is a way better goal than lose weight. Um, Just going back to your sales example, Jay, like saying I want to increase sales. Um, You know, when I work with entrepreneurs and executives and business owners, I never let that slide. I always want to use a from X to Y framework, especially in business. Um, And so you want to increase your sales from X number to Y amount by the end of the year or by next quarter or by whatever time frame. That's going to make a super tight goal. So let's say you're, you know, making $100,000 a month in sales. You want to increase that by 30%. So you want to say, I want to increase sales from $100,000 a month to $130,000 a month by the end of the year. Got it. Got okay. It. Um, okay. Okay. So, so before we go on, let's, let's do this. By the way, we're, we're talking because we need to, we need to plug your book a little bit. Okay. We're talking to Charlie Gilkey. He's author of Start Finishing, How to Go From Idea to Done. We're going to be talking about goals and a number of other things here on the show. And we're talking, you're listening to him and watching him on A New Direction. Hey, everybody, did you know that New Direction has a new sponsor? It's called Epic Physical Therapy. And whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, maybe you're having difficulty performing activities of daily living, maybe you just want to improve how you feel and move, or maybe you're an elite athlete, uh, including professional athlete, who's just not, just not feeling right. Right, which you guys know so much well. Well, you know what? The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. They do. I know. I've been there. They're outstanding. With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they really understand the need to treat the entire body. And and it's and it's a functional whole body, not just your symptoms or your injuries. So why not get Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, Epic Results? Why not go to epicpt.com? That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And of course, Linda Crafted Team Realtors. No matter where you're at in the world, they can help you find the right professional to help you sell your home or buy your home. And you know what? They've been doing this for 35 years. And the reason why they've been so successful for 35 years is because they're known as the legends of customer service. It's not a slogan. It's part of their culture. And it has been for 35 years. So why not, why not learn more about why they're so legendary in helping people find not only their first home, but their second home, the third home, the fourth home, and in many cases, their fifth and sixth home and other investments. Why not talk to them? You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com, and we thank them. And we're back here with Charlie Gilkey and start finishing how to go from idea to done. And we're talking about SMART goals, <laughs> and Charlie's rewritten uh, SMART. Uh, you may have heard of SMART goals. been around since the 80s, early 80s, actually. And uh, Charlie's rewritten that, and he's kind of walking us through, making sure that we're specific, and we're we're walking through, uh, we're walking through his version of it, and um, we're gonna we're gonna continue to do that, and and then move on to some other things to help you get your goals better shape. So go ahead, Charlie, tell us where we're at, and uh, I think we're I think we're somewhere in the middle of uh, finishing up the S in smart, aren't we, and then moving on to meaningful? 
Um, or we no, that. Well, we sort of skipped all of that. Oh, um, we did. Jumped, okay, good. Okay. Jump to the end. But okay. yeah, Wait. so you can see what we're doing though with right. our goal, where I said, you know, lose 20 pounds by the end of the year. So it's simple. You know what you you can understand what it means. Right. Lose 20 pounds by the end of the year. Right. It's meaningful, assuming it's actually a goal that you want to do. Like, right. and that's where we have to be careful. And I've been right. writing some articles on this, Jay, so your audience gets to gets to hear it before they read it somewhere else if they want to. But um, so I got to ask, like, what are some signs that your your resolutions won't stick? Mm. And one of the um, signs that that I wrote about was when the goal that you're choosing is an external should versus an internal drive or an internal desire. Mm. And we end up taking up a lot of resolutions like I should eat better. I should lose weight. I should. And think about it this way, Jay. We very rarely use that heavy should language about things we want to do, mm. about things we're looking forward to do. We yeah. only really use it when there's some external authority, external agent, external sort of person pushing something on us. Mm. And so one of the things that you think about is if you know your resolution is coming from a place of should, you might understand it. It might be simple. It might be actionable, realistic, and, t- and trackable. But the thing about it is it's not meaningful to you. And if it's not meaningful for you to you, when it sort of collides with the battlefield of life and the battlefield of business and what are the other projects that really do matter to you, it's always going to lose. So um, that's wow. why I have to stop and the say sh- like sh- – Should is a powerful word. I, I, it just never occurred to me. But how many times have I said, you know what? I should do this. It's never going to get done. It's, it's never yeah. going to get done. Yeah. Until huh. you find that internal drive, until you wow. rewrite that should – Right, you're That's not great. going to get there. And again, like Jay, what's your favorite ice cream or your favorite dessert? Oh, favorite dessert, key lime pie, brother. Coconut key lime pie. Oh, coconut key lime pie. Have you ever told yourself or had some sort of feeling like you should eat that? Right, no. like that heavy sort of. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta muscle myself to it. Like, no, no. no. <laughs> right, and there are other activities. I'll keep it PG. Right, where right. it's just right. like. Yeah, when right. that thing is in front of us, we want to do it. There is no should. <laughs> You're so right. So anytime a goal is coming from a place of should, um, I'm going to give it like, you know, a good 60, 70 percent likelihood that you're not going to get momentum on it. You just don't have the drive for it. Right. You're right. OK, so um, going back to lose weight with simple, it's meaningful, it's somewhat actionable. Right. It's, it's lacking that. But we'll get into like how we would chunk that down. Um, it's whether it's realistic depends upon how much time and how much effort you're going to put into it. Mm. And so, um, this is, you know, you mentioned this in your setup, Jay, is that, um, one of the reasons we, we fall on and off this sort of workout going to the gym horse is that we don't actually understand that substantial changes to our weight or our body are actually lifestyle changes. They're not just little projects because right. whatever your lifestyle was that got you there right. is, is your habit. It's your default. Right. So to change your weight, to change your health, you have to change your lifestyle. And you don't do that in three months. You don't do that in six months. That's like a year-long project because think about it. Most of us, unless you know, you've just been on that rock and fast food diet, you don't gain the weight. You don't lose the health in three months. Right. So why do you think you can – you don't like – why do you think you can – get out of that situation in three months. Right. Took a year so, to get there. Yeah. No, you're right. It could take a year to get there. Um, and, but it's one of those sort of things, you know, you've heard it from other people. Like if you don't have your health, what do you have? Right. Um, 
And then trackable, I put it on the end because I said by the end of the year. So that's how we would take something like lose weight and make it more smart. Um, and I think that you have sort of three really good reasons for doing this. One is that when you make everything into the smart framework, you can stop deciding how you're going to set goals. It just becomes something that you can do over and over again. And this will come in super handy later on if we talk about the five projects rule, Jay. Right. But if you look at all of your sort of end of year goals and you're like, oh, these are all my year size goals, you could put them on the same sort of piece of paper and say, like, what are all my year size goals? And then you can start making better um, choices around them. You can start prioritizing better. But when you have sort of you know, some goals here and some goals there and some are trackable, some are not trackable, it's really hard for you to actually look at that list and make that make those decisions because your brain goes haywire every time you look at it, right? Because right? it's trying to figure out all these things that you should have figured out already. And the last one, and this is, the I think, one of the more important ones, you'll be able to communicate that goal with someone else mm. in a way that helps them help you. Mm. Which is it? Which is it critical, right? Because it kind of the more accountability we can have from others gives us a better chance at at least a higher probability of completing the goal. Yes, absolutely. Right. So, you know, one of the things that you emphasized here in in part of this, you said reread the goal to see if it's simple. Use your creativity and mental horsepower to figure out how uh, to do the work, not to figure out what the work is. And then you made a note here on this, and you said you may experience some tension and anxiety. You may be questioning if your goal is realistic or you're eager to take action on it, but you're stumbling with some of the elements of the air sandwich. Can you help pull that together a little bit? Yeah, so I'll have to talk a little bit about the air sandwich here. So, so, um, Jay, I'll let you guide me on how much time we want to spend here. But if you go back to the last episode – the air sandwich is the idea that there are these five fundamental challenges that we all face that as soon as we start like trying to change our life and change our work, they just come up full force and say, okay, nope, you're not doing that. I'm going to keep this separation between your current world and the world you want to live, which just creates that air sandwich. And those five challenges are competing priorities, head trash, no realistic plan, too few resources, and poor team alignment. And why that's relevant here is because when we set a goal like, you know, lose 20 pounds by the end of the year, some of that old head trash can come back up and say, well, you've tried that before and it didn't work out. Or, you know, maybe you're just destined to be fat or, you know, what all that sort of head trash comes in. And we can feel that tension when we develop a smart goal. Mm -hmm. And it's not that there's something wrong with the goal. It's just that, unfortunately, there are many, many wonderful, beautiful things that we as humans create in the world, but we also spend a lot of time creating really crappy stories for ourselves and other people. And so every day through marketing, through storytelling, through gossip, through things like that, um, we hear all of these crappy stories and, and bold them. Or maybe head trash comes up because, you know, with that goal, it's like, well, you know, last time you tried to lose weight, your partner wasn't on board and it created a big fight because Got you were it. spending your evenings working out. Um, when he wanted to be, you know, spending time with you. Right. And so that's poor team alignment popping up, by the way. And so that's where some of this tension will come from, because as soon as you articulate a smart goal, right. then is when the reality of your life. And that's the other thing we talked about. Right. Um, projects are both. A, I talked about them being a bridge, but they're a mirror for what's going on in your inner landscape right. and in your exterior world. Right. And when you see a goal that challenges your inner landscape or challenges the external world, that's where a lot of that tension will come from. 
And I think that's a healthy tension because if you really, really want that goal and you see that your world is not aligned or you see that your internal landscape is not aligned, then you know what the real problem is. It's not the goal. It's what's going on in the external world or your internal landscape. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I just I just found that to be awesome. I'm going to jump ahead here. We're going to I want to jump ahead to make space for your project because you have. Uh, three things that you talk about. I'm just going to, it's chunking, linking, and sequencing, and it's called the three essential skills to bending time. Uh, and so before we get into the specifics of chunking, linking, and sequencing, help us understand uh, this idea that the, these elements bend the time. Uh, maybe you can't do that exactly in that way, but I guess what I'm asking you is how do we, what are they and how does that help us you know, deal with our time better? Yeah, well, it's actually a play on word because I say later on, right, that fundamentally time is the one thing we can't change, right? We can change our energy, we can change things, but time is more of a constant. So it's a bit of a play, but if you are going to really make time start working for you and use your time better, you're going to have to learn how to chunk, link, and sequence your projects. And so um, and the challenge with this, Jay, is, is this: these two chapters, chapter five and chapter six of the book, were the hardest to write. Hands down, the hardest to write. Um, because in my view, they're sort of simple concepts once you get them. Right. But they're hard to explain if you don't get them. Right. No, <laughs> right? I, I, I get it. No, I, I, I listen. I read the I had to, I read the chapter several times, and read read through that area um, before we got to the project pyramid, and I kept reading through it over and over and over again, going, okay, I got a chunk. I got to link the chunks, and then I got to put the chunks that I've linked in a logical order. Correct. That's it. That's as hard as it is. Um, except, um, and, and I like using so many spatial metaphors because we actually suck at time management and thinking about time. (laughs) Like time is a really recent construct for us humans. Right. Right. But most of us have played with Legos before or played with building block things. And we, that's a really thing. Like you take a few different pieces, you put them together, they make this bigger piece Right. And then you put those pieces in the right order and you end up with all these little pieces that make a train or they make a plane or they make a right. building or whatever it is. That's all we need to do with our projects. And thinking in terms of building blocks separates that sort of over abstract notion that I think can make us all stumble. So you just like chunking is really breaking it down into the smaller parts. So Linking is finding ways that those parts fit together. Okay. Right. And making sure that they're easy links. And sequencing is just making sure they're in the right order. Okay. And so let's go. Let's go with our goal. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's ahead. what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to go with the example that we started with. And how does that look? How does that play out? That's that's all I was going to ask. Great. So um, let's say we're just sticking with our lose 30 pounds by the end of the year. Okay. Let's just say that's our goal. So okay. it's, we don't we're not bouncing around. Um, where you saw me or, or heard me earlier get a little bit uncomfortable is about that lose 30 pounds, mm-hmm. right? Because what, do you, how do you do that? You don't just like think about it. You've got to do some stuff, right? But it's like, okay, but we said this was a year size goal. So I'm going to break that down into the next most coherent slice of time, time perspective, right? So that's a quarter. All right. And so what you might want to th- start thinking about is like, okay, I want to lose let's say five pounds this quarter because I know that I'm going to have to get started and that there's going to be some lag time. Or maybe you decide you're going to lose 10 pounds because you know that it's harder to lose some of the later weight. Either way, you pick what that goal is. Then if you're still not sure how to do it, you would chunk it down yet again, break it apart into constituent pieces to where you realize that, you know, by the time you did it, it's like, oh, I need to get a personal trainer, 
mm-hmm. right? And so you might chunk it down to just this first month of the year um, would be, you know, start working with a personal trainer to lose weight. And then when you're looking like when you chunk that down to sort of that week size perspective, it might be like go to the gym and find a trainer that works for me. And then when you go down to the daily level, it'd be like that actual like just go to the gym and do it. But that's how we would chunk it down. Just that one piece of it. Um, And so maybe you want to start. You think, okay, there are some different ways that I'm going to chunk or I'm going to break this broader lose weight goal down. So I know I need to work on my fitness. So I've kind of talked about that. But maybe you want to work on your diet, too. Right. And so you start thinking, okay, what are those steps where you just break it down into ever smaller parts until you get something that you don't have to break down again, like go, you know, right. go to the trainer or go, you know, <laughs> go to Google, the, go to go, the store, Google nutrition, yeah, go to, know. go to the store, pick up your fork or put it down. Whatever. Right? Yeah. There, right, there right. comes a certain point to where like, that's just the step. You don't need to do any more breaking it right, down. Right, and when you right. get to that point, you know, you do it. Right. Um, and so there's a pro tip here though. When you're doing this sort of chunking, especially the further down you're going, don't do that. Don't do like daily level stuff or weekly level stuff for things that are three or four quarters away. It's a waste of time. Got it. Because three or four quarters away, you'll be in a different reality and maybe your plans have shifted, so on and so forth. You'll know what you need to do when you get closer to there. But a lot of us don't know what we need to do this month and this week and so on and so forth to get that project going. And so I always want people when they're doing this chunking, licking and sequencing and they've got one of these big aspirations or these big resolutions, it's like, you know what? Just focus on the first 90 days once you have that big goal. Just focus on this next quarter and chunk it down until you get to that place to where you look at it and you're like, you know what? I know exactly what I need to do because then, Jay, it becomes down to you either do it or you don't do it. And when your goal is written in that way where you know that you can either do it or don't do it or when the chunk, I should say, is at that point, then when you look at it on your to-do list, you're making your weekly plan, you know, it's go to the nutritionist to, you know, get a get a meal plan. You're either going to do that or not do that. Right. Um, You don't need to figure it out anymore. And so that's where, again, you said earlier, that's where you use your creativity and grit and everything to like focus on the execution of it, but not on figuring it out. Got it. We're talking with Charlie Gilkey, uh, author of the book Start Finishing, how to go from idea to done. And it's the returning. It's the return of Charlie Gilkey. It's Charlie Gilkey part two. It's Start Finishing part two. It's it's actually, yeah, I mean, it's it really is because we're really digging into the second half of his book because this book is such a comprehensive book. By the way, I just want to tell you what Seth Godin had to say about this book. Start Finishing is a game changer, a modern day classic that will dramatically change your work. That's Seth. What that's what Seth Godin said about this book. And listen, listen. I, I love Seth Godin, and Seth Godin to me, if he has put his stamp on this book, I am just telling you, you don't have to take it from me. Take it from Seth Godin. Why not pick up this book? This is going to be a great book for you here. Um, this at the end of this year, the beginning of this year, actually any time of the year to help you achieve the things that you want to achieve. It's available at Amazon. It's available at bookstores anywhere that you, b- books are sold. If they don't have it, you can certainly ask for it. And they will get it for you. And then you should tell them they should have a bunch of them because it's really that good. 
uh, because sometimes the people at the bookstore will listen to you as a book buyer faster than they will listen to uh, the publisher. So why not why not request this book? Request it at your library. Uh, local libraries um, would be a great place to request this book because it's a great book. And I think that you would find that uh, it's going to really help a lot of people. And speaking of helping a lot of people, I want to talk to you about our sponsor. Our sponsor is, we have two of them really. The first one that has just recently joined us is called Epic Physical Therapy. And you know what? They have a great facility. I've been there. Uh, you know, I, I work out and I train. And so I get injured from time to time. Well, I got to tell you something. They've got the top of the line equipment, like the Alter G anti-gravity treadmill. They've got the Normatec compression sleeves, which are fantastic. And then one of my favorite is the Game Ready, uh, which, man, can just freeze you up like that and just take, puts the pressure and just takes the swelling out. It's amazing. And that's just a few of the things they have. Look. They are trained and certified in the most cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction uh, therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few of the things that they do. They work with all everyone, from the the from from people who've been injured at work or maybe just need a little nutritional help to professional athletes. Trust me, I've seen them in there. And I'm telling you, that's where they go because that's where they know that they're going to get epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results. So why don't you check out Epic Physical Therapy? It's epicpt.com, E-P-I-C-P-T.com, and Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? They may be located in the Raleigh Research Triangle Park, but you know what? They help people all over the world because they've been around for 35 years because even the people around the world know that they are the legends of customer service. It's because Linda has been doing this uh, her whole life and customer service was what she built this on, her, uh, her, her business on, and she continues to do so. And so it's been part of the culture since day one, and it continues to be part of the culture is to serve, and that's what they do, and they do it amazingly well. And if you happen to drop by their office on 7300 Six Forks Road, you know what? They're going to hand you a bottle of water. I promise you they will. They'll just, like, just hand you a bottle of water. It seems random, but it's what they do. Uh, they just want to welcome you and say, here, have a bottle of water. So why not find out? And you know what? Maybe talk to some of the people and find out why. They are the legends of customer service. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A. C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here with Charlie Gilkey, Start Finishing. We are uh, in the midst of talking about some of your goals, and we're talking about, um, you know, making space for your project. You know, how do you chunk and link and sequence? And uh, we're, we're going through that right now, and Charlie's walking us through some of the things. And, you know, Charlie, one of the things that you, you, you I think you pride yourself on, of course, is the Project Pyramid which builds on this chunking, linking, and sequencing that we talked about the last show. But I don't know that we got really into the five projects rule. And I I don't know how much we spent time doing that because I don't think that people understand that sometimes we can just make too many goals and we can try to do too much. And really there are some limitations because we're not really being honest with ourselves with what we do with our time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can, you know, I don't know how much we, we did talk about that, but it's a great time to talk about it again. And, you know, Jay, I do um, what I call monthly momentum calls with my audience every month is a free sort of thing. And every month we have a conversation about the five projects rule, because it's just one of those fundamental things that we have to keep coming back to, to remind ourselves not to overcommit. And where it kind of comes from, and you mentioned the project pyramid here, is that if you take that one yearly goal, like we've been working with, and you sort of see that, wait a second, that yearly goal breaks down to sort of, you know, just in a simplified way, it breaks down into four quarter-sized chunks of a project. 
And then those quarter-sized projects turn into month-sized projects. And then those month-sized projects kind of are, are built up by week-sized projects. And then those week-sized projects are built up between um, what I call focus blocks or, and just a task. You can see, like, hopefully people see how that's a, a pyramid in the brain. It's easier to see in the graphic in the book. But the challenge becomes is if you have five sort of major goals like that, they each decompose in that way. And at the bottom, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of work. So just with that very simple model that I talked about, um, you get down to the very bottom where any year-sized projects are going to take 1,920 tasks to do, right? It breaks down to be that specific, right? And that's, again, an oversimplified model because um, not all projects come out evenly that way. So the five projects rule sort of piggybacks on that. And it says, look, all of your projects are going to break down through these different time perspectives. And so the long way of saying the five projects rule is no more than five active projects per time perspective. Got it. And I'm going to work on that backwards, right? So time perspective. We all, I think, intuitively know the difference between a week-sized project and a month-sized project. Just like we know the difference between a month-sized project and a quarter-sized project. And so on. So we can work away. And what this does for us is we can think like, okay, I'm doing my quarterly planning. What are the five projects that I want to work on this quarter? No more than five. Um, five quarter-sized projects. Because you don't have to think about the week-sized projects. You don't have to think about how those, those decompose to the day. You can do that work in second passes. But it helps us prioritize in that way. And so – oh, the other thing that I want to say is – there. Three other parts about this. Active projects, like, look, we need to get over talking about how, mu how much work we're doing. We need to get over talking about the glorification of busy, how many you know projects we're carrying, because none of that actually matters. What really matters is how many projects you finish, right? And so focusing on the five active things, the things that are on your virtual or literal desktop that you're actually pushing forward week in, week out, is going to be far better than just carrying 17 projects 12 of which you're not really working on. And because you're sort of half working on them, you're only getting three of the main projects done. And the last thing I'll say about this, or second to last thing, the key thing is no more than five active projects. So you might need to go on a project diet. And lastly, and this goes to some <laughs> of the sponsors um, that you have, yeah. recovery, going back to the gym, right. dealing with major grief, dealing with all those types of things. Remember, those count as projects too, or you can think about them that they take away project slots. Mm. So if you're going through a period where, say, you're going through a divorce and it's, you know, a, like divorces are hard and you've got kids stuff that you're trying to figure out and you've got moving figured out, that one sort of life change may have three quarter or year size projects attached to it. Wow. That means you have two remaining to do in your rest of your life. And so a lot of people who go through serious things like that are like wondering and beating themselves up about why they're not getting stuff done. And it's like, no, it's not that you're not getting stuff done. It's just that what you're getting done are these really important elements of your life. And you know what? That's beautiful. Take care of that. Be fully in that. Have the clean resolutions that you need to. Treat them like a project and then move on with building the next phase of your life. Mm. You know, I know, I know we don't think about that. I know we don't plan that as part of our, when we're doing our goals, you know, like, I mean, I, and how can you really too much plan for, you know, okay, you know, you, I mean, tragedy happens, right? I mean, there's tragic things that happen to everybody in their life. I mean, 
It's I mean you can't really plan for that, can you? No, you can't. I mean, there's some like if you know your kids are living the house and you know you're going to have a hard time with that, right? You know when they're going to graduate. Right. <laughs> you know right, what right, they're right, doing. Right, so you can right. plan for some of those if you've been in that relationship long enough and you have secretly known that it's time for it to come to an end. Like you might actually know, you might not put it on your to-do list, like divorce my husband. Right. But you know when that's going to happen. And, you know, I was talking to a buddy, this is about a business divorce, but uh, he's going through a situation and he knows he needs to break up with his business partner. Um, and I was like, you know, man, I, I know how hard that is. I know how hard it is to break up with your partner, right? But it's harder not to. Yeah. Right. And right. so the, and then that's just one of those grim, grim things that you want. Do you want to accept the hard now or do you want to live in this three to five years of a limelight of a relationship that's not working for anyone? Right. So you can't plan for like car accidents. You can't plan necessarily for your elders and your parents to need to move on to elder care. Some of those. Right. But to our point, though, like this is what we don't allow ourselves to do, Jay, is when those things happen to say, you know what? My reality has shifted. Right. My priorities have shifted. I need to shift my project load to account for it. And it's better for us to, you know, um, be in a situation. For instance, I had um, one of my board mates on, on one of the boards that I served on. His um, parents got sick and then he needed to move on. And he needed to resign from his board commitments right. um, for that. And I, we all applauded him, especially me, because I know how hard of a choice that is for most people right. to be like, you know what? I, I set this three-year commitment. I'm going to see it through versus saying, you know what? I need to take care of my parents and that's going to be where I need to be. Right. And I'm, because of that, I can't do this commitment. I think that's the choices we should allow ourselves to make. Right. And so, yeah, these things come up and maybe you decided that you were going to take on this new business venture. Maybe you had that goal of increasing sales by X to Y and you look at it and you're like, you know what? Dad's sick. And right. that's my project. Helping him in this next stage of his life and helping take care of it. That's a project. Mm. And that is the project that, Five years from now, a decade from now, from the year, from the end of my life, I'm going to look back and say, you know what? I'm glad I was there and I'm glad I prioritized that way versus, you know, not being there in that time of need just because you needed to increase sales because you committed to doing that before life happened. Right. You know, something just hit me like just I mean, like literally as you're talking and I'm thinking through this and I'm going, you know, people don't. We, we don't really think like if you let's talk about divorce for a second. And, and I mean, OK, let's just do that. I, it, people get divorced. That's a project. But then after the divorce, then they have to do something with the children. If they have children, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden becomes a project. And then, of course, then you have I don't really want to live alone. So then you get back into the dating world. There's another project. So all of a sudden, if we're thinking about this. The divorce actually has created three projects and and maybe more. I'm I'm just thinking, you know, but because, right, because I got now my kids are, it's different for the kids. That's now another project because I got to focus there. Mm -hmm. That becomes a focus block for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. I've got to get through this divorce. That's a focus block. I really want to date again. That's a focus block. So now if you say to me, if you say to me, Based on, you know, you know, you convert your weekly schedule into coherent blocks and I can only fo- do three focus blocks a day and I've already dealt with my divorce, dealt with my kids and I've dealt with the new person that I'm interested in. I, what other room do I have? I don't know. 
right? I mean, but you're I, exactly right, and you've explained in a very clear way that whole chunking, linking, and sequencing thing that we just talked about, right? Because that divorce has a has a linked project of dealing with kid stuff. I did, right? I didn't even realize it did that. I was just, I was just, I was shooting. I was yeah. seriously, I was. You absolutely, you absolutely did it. You chunked, linked, and sequenced that project, and we can. So you know, in the last episode, we talked about why I talk about project world, right. which is the idea that every you know three to five years, our life shifts in these fundamental ways, both on the personal and on the professional side. Right. So what we're talking about with the divorce there, you have the divorce, kid stuff, moving stuff, sometimes job stuff, right? Right, comes up from that. And then, yeah, you're right. You, you want to get back in the game. That's dating. So, okay, you do the dating thing there for a while, but maybe that relationship progresses. And now you're starting and talking about, you know, creating a blended family. So you're moving and you're blending these families. And you, we spend five to 10 years or longer of our lives working through these projects, never one, giving ourselves credit for the fact that we're doing it. Wow. And two, never really thinking, like, wow, like this is something that's going on that's taking this very limited time, energy, and attention, or if we want to get super woo, is taking soul juice, right? right. It's taking soul juice to feed these life-changing, important projects, right. and we have a limited amount of it. We're not going to be, you know, the peak performing superstar workers when our marriage is falling apart on us. I, here's, he, I, I, you're, you're so right, but here's, here's where it comes back full circle, something that you said at the very beginning of the show. Because then, if if I'm dealing with the divorce, dealing with the move, dealing with the chick, the new the new kid thing, and then I'm dealing with the new relationship thing that I got, then you come back and you say, you know, I know I should work more. Notice what I said. Yeah. I know I should work more. And so, what is typically the things that we t- tend to see? What happens? Get sacrificed because it became a should. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Wow. And wow. what I try, what I try to do in my work, Jay, is wow. all of this sort of pain and frustration and exasperation that we'll put on ourselves. I try to put that at the beginning of the project, the beginning of these new transitions, for us to say, you know what, it's just not going to happen, and that sucks, and I'm going to grieve that, and I'm going to let that be, wow. but I'm not going to spend the next five years beating myself up, right? Because I think I should be able to be X. When the reality is I'm working on these things that really, really matter to me. And I think I did it to you last time when right. your, your setup is so excellent, Jay, that I'm like, man, I just want to spend the rest of the hour talking about your setup. <laughs> but last time, you know, what I said is like, you know, while you're doing this assessment, think about the social buckets of your life, too, as a separate right. domain. Right. Because those are projects. Right. You right. want to take your kid to, you know, you want your kid to be great at basketball and do all those types of things. Well, it turns out that's going to be a lot of work and projects probably for you, shuttling that kid around, so on and so forth. And maybe you want to go to Disney World. Guess what? That's a project. Right. How are you putting it on that? And we don't do that with our personal relationships and don't think about that. So I tell you what, Jay, like my wife and I, we gave ourselves the best gift at the beginning of December and we did a all inclusive um resort trip to Jamaica where we didn't have any devices, no, no cell phones, no, you know, tablets, no computers. I saw this. Yeah. I saw you, I saw you post this. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't take a single work thing with me. Like I actually took some books and the day one, you know, you mentioned, I read a lot of books day one. I picked up a book and I was like, you know, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to get better at, you know, to improve myself through 
reading business books. And so I just put, you know, just two or three books I had, just put them in the bag because I'm like, I'm not reading that. That's not what this brick is for. Mm. But it was a project. Like we knew that we needed to like plan it. We needed to have a budget for it. We needed to communicate with people. We needed to be super specific about what we wanted from that project, i.e. going on vacation with each other. And man, I tell you what, it was the best gift ever. That's awesome. His name is Charlie Gilkey, and uh, the book is called Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. Charlie, uh, by the way, the book's available at Amazon and bookstores near you. It's, it's, it's a fantastic book. This book is fantastic. Start Finishing is the name of the book. Charlie, we've been on for almost an hour. How, man? How? I don't know, man. It just feels, I feel like we just got on the phone. Yeah. And I felt like we just did this, and it just, it goes so fast, and you know what I think it is, and and I know that the people out there feel like it's gone fast because, first of all, the book is really good. It's really relevant, and you're so good at helping us understand how – that we need to really rethink about what we're doing when we say that we're going to commit to these goals or we're going to do this. We're not really thinking about the projects, and you're so, you're so dead on, and you're so good, and – um, I, I want to thank you, uh, as always, you, you've been great. And, and we've talked about maybe you coming back again in the future and, and doing part three of this book. Are you still willing to do that maybe down the road? Can we... Yeah, let, let's just call it whatever we want to talk about next. Cause we may not get through part three, <laughs> but would... you know what? I'm happy to come back and help. You're great to talk to. And I, is, if this is helping people look, my, I know it's about, the book is about getting things done, but at the end of the day, I want people to feel a sense of peace a sense of purpose and a sense of progress on the things that matter most. And if that means I have to grab a bunch of the stuff that we accrue and the stuff that we just commit to and say, you know what, we're not going to do that. How about we focus on that? I'm happy to do that every day because the outcome is worth it for us all. Can I tell you something? I was about to ask you if Charlie Gilkey could give me a new direction, what would that be? I think you just did. Yeah. I think he just said it. He just gave you a new direction, folks. He did. I mean, I beautifully said, well done. And you are helping people. And I thank you for doing that. You're fantastic, man. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. I want to tell you, I want to wish you all just a great end of your year and a great beginning to the next one. And you know what? We're going to be back. And what, what's going to happen is we're going to be back. We're going to be back with another great guest. And we're going to see you then all over the world. Happy New Year to you. All right. Enjoy it. And as I say every week, be inspired because when you're inspired, you can inspire others. And when they're inspired, they in turn can inspire other people as well. And that can make this world a great place. So until then, we will talk to you in 2020. Ciao, everybody. confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time to find a new direction a brand new day a new direction things are gonna change Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength